Patsy Deference is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Okay, we are zooming out today. Patriots are closing in on their last preseason game. Cutdown day is after that. We have spent a lot of time digging into film notes from preseason games, joint practices, stats, PPUs, completion percentage, all the things Jeff Howe used to do when he was on the Patriots beat for the Boston Herald, then the Athletic, now NFL National Insider for the Athletic. He's going to zoom out today uh, by taking us back in time on his camp tour, really living the dream, I think, for I'll say it for myself, just going around on uh, buses and planes and trains or Ubers or maybe just half of those things and just visiting with teams, talking to coaches and players around the country for work and then coming home, which he'll do after visiting Tennessee right now as he's coming back from an undisclosed hotel uh, in Nashville, a.k.a. Swaltown. I can't believe I said that for you, but there it is. Curls for the girls. Uh, packs for the pod. How are you, my man? Great. I hope you cannot smell me through the computer because I just walked out of the gym and I, you know, a little wardrobe change after a 105 degree uh, practice in Nashville with the Titans. Sorry that, you know, I missed you guys this week, but uh, it's been a, it's been an awesome summer uh, meeting with, I think, 14 teams and counting and learning just so much about the le- I'm not trying to like give you a canned response about like, you know, something corny about like all this access or whatever, but like I, I legitimately am learning a ton uh, just about the way these teams operate, the way that, you know, they feel about going into the season. Of course it's August still. So everybody's going to go 17 and 0 and then win the Super Bowl. But, you know, it's just, it's so valuable to get a chance to do this. And I, it's exhausting. I've been exhausted since since i arrived at like 2 a.m in phoenix on i think august 1st or 2nd or something like that but it's been so worth it good yeah if you have any more canned responses we're just going to can this interview because you're not the guy that i have on to just give me boilerplate garbage um i will say though for someone who started in arizona now in 105 degree heat in nashville i jeff i I think the folks on youtube would agree i'd expect you to be a little more tan than, than you are now yeah, you know, it's uh, I uh, there's just too much Irish in the bloodlines. It's uh, I, I try. I really do. Like yeah. I pick out the sunny spots in the field, but then sometimes you get pulled like under a tent or like there's a conversation somewhere like under a tree and you just not you're not seizing the moment. I was checking out the pool at the hotel here, which is connected to the gym. I don't know if you heard. I was just at the gym. And the (laughs) pool is is now completely shaded. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon and there's no shade. There's no sun at the pool. So I can't. It's it's the pool's fault. That's yeah, totally understandable. Very cool. All right. Um, (laughs) Moving on. Here's what we're doing with Jeff, who's very kind enough to spend some time. I've been hyping this uh, visit of ours, this check-in, which we haven't done in a few months for a while. Ten questions, five of which are going to pertain to the Patriots and some larger perspective, again, zooming out, kind of taking a peek ahead to the regular season, understanding we're going to revisit everything Patriots uh, coming up next week, cuts, you know, uh, recap preseason game, yada, yada. And then five questions about his tour. Because like I said, this this is what I would love to do every summer is go around and learn as much as you have and travel and talk to players and coaches. Uh, in case you forgot, this episode of the Pats Interference Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Let's lead off with a Patriots slash league question. Um, what is the larger view of the Patriots, as far as you can tell, across the league? And I, I don't assume this is something that came up every time you're checking in with Sean McVay uh, or Jonathan Gannon or you know Shane Steichen or whomever. But like, what over the last few months? Let's put let's put it that way. What does the NFL make of the Patriots? 
they there's a really wide range of opinions. I mean, there's still a ton of shock over what happened last year and that offensive uh, disaster, let's call it. I mean, because that's what it was. And I think a lot of people still believe that Mac Jones can be an above average quarterback. And there is a lot of belief that what they saw going into the draft a couple of years ago is still potentially true. And Bill O'Brien has a really strong reputation around the league. So I think people are expecting things to get a whole lot closer to back on track and maybe exceed some expectations. I think there's a lot of optimism in the defense, but you know, there's, there are questions about the offensive line, the skill players, the depth at running back. Certainly I think Zeke will obviously help that, but you know, the other part is the the way the league views the AFC, you've got the elite, which is the chiefs, the bills and the Bengals. And then there's like the middle class that is legitimately like 10 to 12 teams. And even a team that isn't in the middle class, the Texans, people think they're going to play uh, teams really hard, almost like Detroit did like two years ago, even, you know, they weren't winning, but they were a tough out. So what that does is it sets up a, a situation where, there is very little room for error. I mean, you've got, you know, whoever you could be the four seed or a couple of things could go wrong. And now you're down to the 13 seed. You know, you get, you have a couple injuries that you can't afford on the offensive line or whatever your quarterback goes down for two to four weeks. And, you know, you could just fall off the face of the earth because it's so crowded in the middle there. Well, you mentioned that AFC middle class. And again, we're not going to spend a ton of time in the rest of the league, but you know, you saw three of these teams. And so you have a frame of reference now of how those teams look in camp and your understanding of the Patriots. It's just institutional at this point for how long you covered them specifically. So here are the 14 teams before we go any further uh, are the teams you've seen. I don't know if this adds up to 14 um, sports writer, not uh, a math guy. You saw the Jags, the Bengals, the Colts, the Cardinals, the Rams, the Cowboys, Panthers, Lions, Titans, and here come your AFC middle class, Chargers, Jets, and Jaguars. So that's where you're coming from today, but also those teams that, you know, you talk about uh, talent, just pure roster talent. Certainly the Jags, at least with the Patriots, if not a step above, and I think most people would look at the rosters of the Jets and Chargers and go, they're more talented. But the argument, and, and the successful one for the Patriots who have beaten more talented teams since Bill Belichick got here is they win in the margins. You know, they're better coached, they're more disciplined, yada, yada, which obviously wasn't the case last year. Um, real quick, uh, as far as the middle class of the AFC, what, what were the other parts of the conversation about the Patriots? Like, does it just stay with what I said? They're not as talented and that diminishes their chances. Um, and is there like a downside? Some people think they're gonna be six and 11, seven and 10. Again, if, if a couple things go wrong, you, you could absolutely fall off there. I, I mean, there's, I think the draft class from 23 is viewed as stronger than the class they had in 22. And yeah. the 21 class is still pretty good. Um, but it's, I mean, it, it's really all about Mac and Bill O'Brien and what they can accomplish together. And then again, like, what are some of these guys going to be able to do running after the catch? Um, I, there's, there's some concern there and Ramondre Stevenson is very highly regarded around the league, but it is shocking that they had to, they didn't have any depth until they signed Zeke. I mean, this is a team that, you know, before teams were even going into the two back model 15 years ago, the Patriots went four and five deep and now they're midway through training camp and they're scrambling in the veteran market. And I, I think Zeke was a really good signing and they 
were very high on him is this moment he walked through the door for that visit. So, you know, that could right some wrongs. And, and if a couple of those younger guys step up as the third option or whatever, then, you know, you're, you're in better shape than maybe they're getting credit for. It's just, it was surprising that it took as long as it did. A uh, quick note on Zeke, because uh, we record this here late Tuesday, just came for practice, spoke to Adrian Phillips. The analogy was dropped by ESPN's Mike Reese of, is he like the new guy at school? And Adrian Phillips is like, he's already cool. We already know who Zeke Elliott is. But this this is interesting, too, and I think it speaks to his presence in the locker room. Tell me who you, this reminds you of. Zeke apparently starts most days going around to every player, introducing himself by name, handshake, what's up, adapt, whatever that is. Remember a famous player used to do that here? I do remember that. Wasn't that uh, Cam Newton? Yeah, Cam Newton or Tom Brady. And I, I think ultimately, oh, like, just a guy that. who understands his place in the locker room but doesn't treat it as something that's, you know, uh, given. You know, it's earned daily. And so he comes in, everyone knows the name. Christian Gonzalez told us also today he has a Zeke jersey uh, as a Dallas kid. So it's very cool for him. But I think, as you mentioned, they were hiring him, finally got him at the number they wanted. Uh, now he's in the building and, and has a good standing in the locker room. All good things. Okay. Pivoting to the camp tour. Question number two. The best thing you saw on this three-week jaunt through the NFL was blank. Uh, I would say three teams really stuck out in a surprisingly strong way. Uh, the Chargers with Kellen Moore bringing him in. I mean, they are head over heels. Like all the cliches through the roof to the moon, um, or over the moon with Kellen Moore and what he can do for Justin Herbert, that offense, and the skill players. And it's not just about Moore and Herbert. It's about making sure that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Quentin Johnston, guys like that, are able to be in positions where they can make plays after the catch. And, you know, Austin Eckler, another one. I mean, they are a team that could be potentially extremely dangerous on offense. The yeah, Cowboys. I'm going to make you choose one. So I would love to hear more. But the question was one thing. I don't like your rules, but the Cowboys and Lions look good too. <laughs> Who looked best? What was it? it? You know what? It also could have been. It could have been a seagull flying off of the cheeseburger in the parking lot. Like it just, just something that impressed you that you loved being on this camp tour. Like we'll, oh, okay. we'll talk more teams uh, later on. I can't. I can't get into who this was, but I had a 45, 50 minute conversation with a head coach, and it was all about life and. It was just like stuff that we have been through, how we overcame it. Um, you know, what did you do in this situation? Like, how can I relate this to my story? And it was just, it was cool because it wasn't one of those conversations where you can tell that the other person is just trying to get out of it or they're just trying to be nice. And, and it was an empty, a lot of empty calories. This was like a really cool conversation, just getting to know this other person uh, really well and, and them wanting to get to know me a lot better. And uh, I thought that uh, that will continue to be the highlight of this trip. All right, I know you know this, but I'm not sure you feel it. So I want you to listen very closely. Football season is about to kick off. High school, college, and especially the NFL. And in the NFL, FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use these bonus bets on things like spreads, player props, over under, and ton tons more new bets, new games, new everything every single week in the NFL at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com Boston. 
Gambling problem in Massachusetts? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here at gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Must be 21 year older and present in select states. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. Restrictions do apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. That's the stuff we wanted. Thank you. Uh, now, of course, the folks, if they're paying attention at home and not driving, can play a guessing game because we've already listed the teams. Jags, Bengals, Colts, Cardinals, Rams, Chargers, Cowboys, Panthers, Jets, Lions, Titans. Uh, can we say AFC or NFC? No, I'm not doing that. Okay. All right. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put anybody in a bad spot. I have, I have my thoughts. Um, I bet you do. I love LA. Okay. Moving on. Question number three. Uh, what do you expect from Mac this season? You're someone who's done a lot of reporting around Mac. Obviously you have sources still within the Patriots. Um, I think you, you understand him and his situation as well, if not better than any reporter outside that building. So going into this year, definitive expectations for him or what? Uh, at worst, uh, like a top 15 quarterback, I really expect wow. him to jump. Yeah. I mean, he's, I'm not saying he's going to light the world on fire and, you know, get on that Trevor Lawrence trajectory. Like I'm let's be realistic, but this is somebody who did play well as a rookie and had a really good offensive coordinator as a rookie. And last year, just nothing, nothing went, they did nothing right by him as in his second year in the NFL. Now they're doing everything right by him. You know, they're putting a little more talent around him. Um, you know, we'll see if any of these young guys are able to compliment the veteran receivers. And, you, you know, you want to see more out of Parker and Bourne than you did last year, of course. Uh, but whatever Juju can provide, maybe Gasicki as a move tight end, if he can get back on the field by week one, you know, Hunter Henry, whatever, go on and on and on. Um, but just having Bill O'Brien there is going to stabilize the offense. It's somebody that Mac trusts has trusted for since O'Brien and, and Mac overlap for two weeks at in Tuscaloosa. You know, this was, I've told this story before, but when O'Brien got hired to take over for Sarkeesian, um, Mac was preparing for the draft and he could have just gone on his way and prepared for the combine and left Tuscaloosa. Galusa never looked back, but he wanted to stay back for two weeks to work with Bill O'Brien to help teach him the offense. And O'Brien has brought in a lot of Sarkeesian tendencies to the Patriots offense. This isn't going to be O'Brien just bringing in the previous Patriots stuff that was run for so long by McDaniels and O'Brien himself. This is a guy who was morphed uh, over the last couple of years as an offensive play caller and somebody who has been very well respected again around the league for the job that he's done as a coach. Uh, so I think that's going to, help Mac a ton well let's put that into numbers because you were among the people who are earliest on that and I think there's you know part of it that you could assume right like oh hey Bill O'Brien's coming from Alabama Mac was at Alabama they both had a lot of success there let's do that stuff but it's one thing to assume and report definitively what you did and it's come to fruition numbers like this according to PFF the Patriots preseason RPO rate just two games but two games that have been played 18%. That is third highest in the NFL. When you include screens, uh, you're going up to about 40% of their passing attempts so far have been screens or RPOs. And when you limit it just to Mac and Zappy snaps, which I think is fair because, again, there's a different dynamic. Malik Cunningham's been in there. Trace McSorley has run RPOs as long uh, as he's been picking up a football, basically, as a quarterback. But that, to me, is a huge shift. That is a quantifiable shift for them where it's not only just more RPOs, but there are more diverse 
set of RPOs, which he picked up at Bama, did run in Houston. This isn't like Bill O'Brien just discovered the run pass option in Tuscaloosa, but the way that they're packaging them with certain runs um, and Mac has been used to or the terminology, like they're on the same page in a way you would always hope for an offensive coordinator and quarterback, but also in a way that's like they've been together for longer than six months or whatever it is. This feels like a year or two, uh, which, which has been huge. All right. Number four, back to the uh, training camp tour. Name a coach or player with whom you spoke. You got to know with a little bit and we'll take the unnamed head coach off the table here that you want to take for beers next time you see them and you will pick up the tab. This person can be drinking the most expensive bourbon that you and I enjoy from time to time. And it doesn't matter. It's not the athletics tab. It's not on the team. It's on Jeff Howe. And you were just happy to do it. I mean, these guys make like 10 million a year. So, Oh yeah. They they should be picking up the tab. And I'm just saying you enjoyed (laughs) your time so much. It's like, you just got that kind of, you know, that, that haze on that buzz. Like I, I got this, I got this. I, I really enjoyed my, I mean, Dan Campbell would be really fun. To go <laughs> that might be too many beers. Too many beers for Dan Campbell is going to run up my tab and run down my bank account. And he's just going to still want to be ready and go for more. And I just have a decline card in front of me, but I can't say no to him. But I, anyway, you <laughs> met him. I didn't continue. Yeah, he was, he was really cool to meet with last week. I mean, and, and I saw, I got more of an appreciation and I've got a story coming out about the lions um, any day now. Um, hopefully tomorrow um i really gained an appreciation for the the culture and the system that he's running and the way that those guys have bought in and and the players that he looks for and like they're they're the real deal and you know well it it's going to be huge for jared goff to kind of pick up where he left off he's thrown i think 324 consecutive passes without an interception but anyway getting back to campbell i just i really genuinely enjoyed spending the time with him uh, in Detroit for 10, 15 minutes, whatever it happens to be. It was a, uh, it was an impressive meeting. So Dan Campbell, and I discovered this last year, writing a story about uh, Ross Douglas, one of the Patriots receivers coaches who, you know, I, I knew he was young. So I wanted to figure out, is he the youngest assistant in the NFL? Turns out he was wrote the story. The only way you learn that is by going through every single media guide in the league and looking at the coaching staff, looking them up, finding what their age is. Is it over 27? Okay. We're still good. When I got to Detroit, there were more ex-players on that staff than any other staff in the league. And there's some teams that have much bigger staffs in Detroit. Does. Dallas is one of the biggest staffs. Again, so, so it's emblematic sometimes of the culture of the head coach. Moving forward, though, with Campbell, what did you see anything like that? Like, this is just a personal curiosity for me, but like the ex-players having that many on staff, which they do, does that resonate in a different way with players? Do players appreciate that more? Or is it just, what's that dynamic like? They do if they know that they trust that you can coach. And it is it is interesting because, like, you walk around practice or you see the guys come off the field and you're like, I recognize that coach. Yeah. Oh, it's because he, you know, I saw him play. Um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting how that works. But it's, number one, you need the trust because, it. The, I mean, that's just ultimately important. You can't be second-guessing that. But when you have the trust and you are an ex-player – I mean, Bill Belichick has mentioned this about the ex-players that he's brought in as coaches. Like, they've been in these players' shoes before. They can relate to what they're going through. And sometimes it could just be a personal thing. Maybe you've got a sick kid at home and, you know, you're, you've been at the facility for 14 day, uh, fourteen hours or something like that. And you're like, hey, you know what? Check out for a few hours. So it, it relates to it a little bit more. But I thought what, what was interesting about that and this is part of the story I wrote, 
Campbell thought, you know, I was talking to him about the, the player acquisition and Brad Holmes and Ray Agnew have done a really, really good job in their front office. Ray Agnew, another or former player. And yeah. um, so former Patriot. So Campbell was like, I think about like the guys that I played with who were my favorite teammates. And these are the qualities that they had. And I want to make sure that I have guys like this in the locker room. And he's like, he's, it was a little self-deprecating. He's like, you can't have a bunch of me's on the team because you know we, we get our butts kicked every week. You know, we need to have some talent too. And we do. And, and it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, look at their last three drafts. They're phenomenal. And then you look at how they did in free agency this past year. Again, this is a team that, has a lot of other teams around the league excited about their potential as much as you can be about an opponent, but it's, it's real what they're building there. Yeah. A lot of hype for the lions uh, restore the war. If something else is going on, I, I was not as high in their draft this year, which does not make me an outlier. A lot of people from a physical value standpoint, going to Mir Gibbs, which they apparently yeah. tried. They left the Patriots to take him thinking the Patriots might do that. Um, I'm glad that the Patriots didn't have an opportunity to do that. Cause I would have slammed the pick just from a running back standpoint, which as we all know, if you want to sell a running back going in the first round, don't call him a running back. Call him a weapon. Anyway, enough Lions talk. Number five for Jeff Howe. Uh, best case scenario, in your opinion, for the Patriots this season, which could include, as you said, Mac being a top 15 quarterback. What does that look like as a team? Uh, best case scenario, you know, I don't anticipate they win the division. I think something huge would have to happen in Buffalo for, you know, they would have to fall off considerably, and then the Patriots would have to just – you know, you talk about situational football that they failed in in a lot of ways last year and bad penalties, turnovers, special teams mistakes. They're, they got to correct a lot of stuff in order to get into that 10 to 12 win range and then hope again that Buffalo takes a step back in some way. Um, so I would say best case scenario is like a five to six seed uh, in a wild card, but then you still put yourself that the best. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, just best I, case scenarios, like 10, 11 wins. Yeah. Do they win a playoff game? What do you, what, what's the ceiling? If Belichick has that defense rolling the way I think a lot of people believe it could, now they're young and it's, there's going to be some growing pains, I think, but like they could be the top defense in the league going into the playoffs. Again, best case scenario. And then if you're complimentary on offense, you know, that is the recipe for Belichick's playoff upsets. So, but again, if you're the if you're the sixth seed, you're still getting one of those three elite teams. You still have a situation where you have to prove that you can beat out somebody like Buffalo or, you know, again, Cincinnati or Kansas City. It could be Jacksonville. And that is a team that is going to continue to be on the rise. They're going to be a tough out. Uh, so, so, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's still going to be tough for the Patriots to get into the playoffs. But if a lot of things go right and they stay healthy – and that defense plays well enough, then maybe. But that's there's a lot of ifs there. There's a lot of ifs, Jeff. So I just came from talking to Bill. I want straight answers out of you. So let's okay. Just just best case scenario. Okay, like this is the, this is the ceiling because again the schedule is difficult. Seven and a half win total according to Vegas. Eleven and six, and they they pull an upset in the first round, and that's it. Does that does that sound best case scenario? Or is that too optimistic for you? That would be mine. Yeah, I mean, if they can maybe get Jacksonville in the first round and maybe beat that. I just for the Ravens or the Steelers, like there's always teams that surprise us as much as we get so certain and you know rooted in these predictions and blah blah blah. But like that's the beauty of the league, right? Like I don't disagree with what you're saying. Like it's Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati for now, everybody else. 
but the everybody else's a year ago were Cincinnati, right? And Jacksonville wasn't even close and then makes the leap that they do. So maybe it's yeah, but you, a year ago, everybody was talking about Jacksonville the way that I think we have just been talking about Detroit similarly. Um, I think the, the two goals the Patriots need to have, and it could be something that is coming to fruition this year. And this is something that I, I harped on after that playoff loss in Buffalo two years ago. you got to get your defense faster to a point where you can keep up with the Bills offense, and you've got to get Mac Jones right. If you, they leave this season at nine and eight and they miss the playoffs, but Mac Jones really looks like he is on track to be the real deal. And this defense is much faster and they play at a high level and they look like somebody that can give Buffalo and Miami and, and maybe Aaron Rodgers and the Jets fits for the next few years. Then I think that was a successful season because I think you got to be realistic with these expectations. So, no, I wanted two numbers and a yes or no. And I got none of that. <laughs> Get what you get, and you don't you don't get upset. All right, all right. Jeff. Jeff says that's, ten and seven, probably right. not, but maybe, maybe if 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 maybe 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 playoff win. Okay, number six. Uh, back to your camp tour. Best travel story. There's always something that comes up. You and I could go for a whole other podcast and our shared travel stories and the Patriots beat for three or four years. Uh, one night in Buffalo will not be brought up on that theoretical podcast, but this could be a restaurant, a meal you had, a crazy passenger on a plane. You know, whatever it is, your best travel story or a good one off the top of your head. Oh, man, Ugh, there was the fart plane like we were <laughs> flying from LAX to Vegas late night, like really late. And I I think it was the guy sitting across the aisle from me, like somebody just they didn't go more than. Thank goodness it was like a 45 minute flight. They farted the entire time. It was like there were three times when I wanted to get up and be like, can whoever's farting, can you please just stop? It stunk so bad. I tweeted about it. And well, let's run down the suspects. We're only going to do two, three minutes on this. So if people want to fast forward and miss the fart investigation, go ahead, but you're going to miss out on some content that I think uh toucher and rich do like a fart court. I haven't listened to that. And I don't know how long, but tell me why was it the middle guy? Uh, so I, I really didn't have any strong opinions on who it could have been. But as soon as we landed, you know, we were in like the 15th row or something like that. As soon as we landed, he stood up and he blew through a line of people to get off that plane. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if it was just somebody who uh, didn't care that they had to fart or maybe they, maybe there was maybe there was some something brewing there. And they had to take care of business, uh, but it wasn't it wasn't good. Um, on, any, on a much better note, last uh, one. I stayed awake. Huh? Any secondary suspects, or was it just the guy who um, left like a cartoon trail behind him as he's sipping up? Okay, so we. I mean, I would say the fifteen people around me were all secondary suspects, but he was the only one that uh, I had my suspicions on. You said, yeah. But then right. when I got to Vegas, I stayed away from the strip because I knew where I was at at that point. I was in my final week of that 18 day leg that I started things off. And I'm like, well, if I'm on the strip, I'm going to have to at least walk it. Uh, so I stayed at like this really nice resort north of Vegas. And I am going to stay there every time I go back because the place was great. Well, do you want to drop the name of the resort for the people who like to go to Vegas? Uh, it was the JW Resort and Spa in Ooh. Summerlin. JW. See, that yeah. was a short, easy answer. Two letters. All I wanted was two numbers in the last segment. Sorry, I'm going backwards. And we're insisting on moving forward the season with everything Patriots in our next question. Um, I'm only here to drive you crazy. Yeah, you're. we're, we're doing an okay job. Um, and the Patriots will be in Vegas. So if anyone going to that game, you know, check out the check out the JW. 
Um, question number seven, worst case scenario for the Patriots. Obviously, injuries play a factor. Matt gets hurt. Things stink. No one's wishing this upon them. It's just what what is the range for this season? I think we had settled on 10 and 7, probably not a playoff win. The bottom of that range looks like what? Uh, yeah, Mac doesn't improve, doesn't show you that he's the quarterback of the future. Um, and then you go into next year's draft. Uh, <laughs> worst case scenario is you win like six games. Mac doesn't play well. You're in a spot where you're drafting like seventh. So you have no shot at Caleb Williams or Drake May. Uh, and then you have to figure out what in the world you're going to do with the quarterback position. And not only that, you know, what's Bill? Is he like 19, I think, wins shy of the the all-time wins record, Shula's record there? Uh, you know, if you get to – if you go 6-11, and 11, you got a situation where Robert Kraft might be assessing the, the future of the head coaching position because you know, that's – it, what is, is it 19 20 wins away from the record whatever it is i don't so. know off the top of my head folks who are listening someone certainly does i can look this up when you speak next but um that brings up an interesting point too because tom curran um mutual friend been on the patriots beat forever went out on rich eyes and i think a month ago and said bill's in the hot seat i from conversations i've had only get to warm but the fact the greatest coach of all time is on a warm seat a makes sense when you're 25 and 26 haven't won a playoff game in four years but I couldn't get to hot. Where are you on that that kind of scale? I've written this plenty of times uh, over the last, I don't know, 18 months. And again, last year when they were off to a slow start, I think were they like two and four maybe or something like that. Um, I thought that if they got to a situation where they went five and 12, uh, Robert Kraft was going to have to make a, a decision. Like he was, I think it's not a coincidence that Robert Kraft's at the last or two of the last three, or maybe even the last three um, owners meetings in March has brought up the fact that they haven't won a playoff game since 2018. Like that's not something that's sitting well with him. So if they go five and 12 this year, it's going to be tough. And I think if Bill went into now, obviously this didn't happen, but if Bill went into kind of end of season, going into transition into the off season mode in those meetings with Robert Kraft after the finale last year and said, they're going to run it back with Patricia as the offensive coordinator. I think Kraft might've said, this isn't going to work. Uh, now, of course they had a plan to get O'Brien. That was the top guy that they wanted and they, they delivered. So that's why he's back. So, but again, you know, worst case scenario, five, six wins, and that means you have to – if you win five or six games, that means Mac Jones didn't play well enough, right? I mean, realistically, unless you're just ravaged by injuries on defense or the offensive line. So then you have to assess your future quarterback and head coach, and that's not a spot anybody wants to be in, especially when you are not high enough in the draft to get a franchise-caliber player. That And people like us are assuming that there are two of them. Yeah, Okay. Uh, let's not bum the people out. Uh, I think for, for low worst case scenario for the Patriots, it would have to be real hard luck six and 11. But like, again, this is the NFL. I, I can't be, you know, talking about other people being so certain about what teams are going to be good and what teams aren't going to be good. And then do the same myself and not be open to some more outcomes here for the team. I think six and 11 is my floor. I think 11 and six is the ceiling. Uh, but either way, however you feel about the Patriots, I would urge you to visit FanDuel and put your money where your mouth is because football season is about to kick off as we all know and FanDuel is still giving you the chance to win all season long and right now when you pick a Super Bowl winner you will get a bonus bet every single time that team wins in the regular season again just pick any team to win the Super Bowl literally any team and you will get a bonus bet 
every time that they win a game. You could use these bonus bets on spreads or player props, over-unders, and lots more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. It's right in my page on Spotify and Apple. And you can start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Uh, must be 20 or older in present Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Your refund is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in seven days. Restrictions to apply. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. See terms right now at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start at GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-JAM-1234. All right, number eight. What um, what camp that you saw? Again, we're talking 12, 14 teams. Talk to other people from the Dolphins as well. I, they're probably not going to be an answer here. Just a little confusing. Like you were there, you visited, you saw them up close, you talked to different players, and you just weren't as sure about what to make of them or what's coming next. And it could be a good way. It could be a bad way. It could be both. I... <clears throat> Let's see. I think in a two concerns that I continue to have with the Jaguars are you know, you've got a little bit of an uncertainty at both tackle spots. You know, you've got a first round pick, Anton Harrison at right tackle, who has played well, but has been dealing with a shoulder issue. And then you've got the suspension of left tackle that's putting Walker Little in a starting spot. So, you know, if Trevor Lawrence is all of a sudden under duress more often than he'd like to be that's going to be tough for them to realize their potential and then they the reason why they lost last year aside from some ill-timed turnovers in the final six minutes in Kansas City they couldn't get to Patrick Mahomes even though he was playing on one leg and they're really banking on their young pass rushers to take a step forward with Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker so that's that's kind of a concern because those are two really really important areas in order to be what's Jacksonville's ceiling? Like they're a team that could get to the conference championship, but it's going to be tough to do it if you're not going to win in the trenches. So that's my concern there. I guess in a positive way, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the Cardinals are going to win six or seven <laughs> or eight games or anything like that. But I really like what Jonathan Gannon is putting in place. And I know that's not like a universal opinion, but I spent some time with him and I, I think his defense is going to give people a, they're going to be hard to play against. They have a, a lot, a lot to overcome in terms of, you know, they're, they're working on that personnel and, and, and they're limited with what their ceiling is going to be, but they're not going to be a team that I think rolls over every week. And, you know, I think they're going to be, they're going to be a tougher out than, than a lot of people believe. Okay. Um, I'm glad you saw them. I'm glad you have positive vibes, but we are going to cut the Cardinals talk there <laughs> because that <laughs> team is going to stink. Uh, and it doesn't confuse me, but confusing again, has a wide range of differences. I'm glad you brought up two teams. Uh, let's roll on to question number nine. Back to the Patriots. Well, last one. Support, more Patriots doing a good job out there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Monty Osport. Yes. Yeah. Well-regarded within the league. Glad he finally got a, a, a job there as a GM. Uh, bold. Patriots prediction. Last time I asked you this on a podcast, it was the now defunct New England No Huddle that I ran by myself in a little closet, my old apartment for Mass Live, edited, produced, recorded, everything. Your bold prediction, I don't know if you remember this, before the 2019 season, is that the Patriots would have the number one defense in the whole league. You, Jeff Howe, were correct. And the Patriots were the number one defense in that league, uh, or that year, that season, to a historic level through about mid-November um, and still held on to the title. A, will they do that this year? And B, if not, what is your bold prediction? 
I'm just going to keep it going. I'm, I'm going to stick with the same one. And I do remember that because in the very limited chances that I am right about something, it's <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's go with that again. Number one defense in the league this year. And there's, there's a lot of young talent. They have rebuilt the speed much quicker than I thought they would be able to. Uh, I think they deserve a ton of credit for that. Uh, and Keon White, man, I, I'm sure you guys have written a ton about him over the last few weeks, but I, I'm really impressed with, with what I saw in that preseason opener. He's a beast. He um, He's come up on several podcasts so far, got dinged up in, in Green Bay, didn't play, obviously, in that, that game. Uh, left practice early today, again, recording on a Tuesday, likely much earlier than by the time you listen to this. Keep an eye on it, but he's someone who is – you know, you want to kind of keep in bubble wrap anyway. Maybe not to the degree we saw for Trent Brown or Mondra Stevens, who just got to kick back, start a training camp, Matt Judon for contract-related reasons. But uh, he's in there. He's repping with the top defense on and off. Like that, he's going to be uh, a guy. All right, last question. Um, just two or three, you know, flashball memories from this whole trip. Again, you go through basically half the league and talking with people and traveling and seeing players up close, practices and scrimmage, I'm sure, and some preseason stuff. Like when you tell this story and people ask in your neighborhood, like, oh, what were some two or three things that you saw that we haven't covered yet? What are you going to say? Uh, I was meeting with a GM very, very early one morning. I had just gotten into town very late the night before. I looked like a zombie walking into his office. He asked me how I was doing. I said I was tired and he looked so disappointed in me. And I told him why I was tired. And then he was just kind of nodding. And I asked him how he was doing. And he said, well, I'm not tired. So I was like, congratulations. That must be fantastic. Um, <laughs> it, it was cool getting down to Kentucky to see Liam Cohen and the job that he's doing with that offense. Uh, it's got some NFL ties. So I was able to uh, pull that one off. He's somebody that I've known for quite a long time. We go back to UMass together. So uh you know, just a chance to to catch up with him, talk football, talk about, you know, uh, personal stuff. But like, you know, what what they have going on with Devin Leary. I think he's a quarterback prospect. that A lot of people are going to start to put on uh, the radar. And then, you know, I once had a friend tell me that Chipotle was kind of good for you. And I'm really putting that to the test. I've eaten Chipotle we're getting close to 15 times. Over wow. The last yes. Wait, we need, <laughs> we need to go back to the fart plane because I think this might've been you. It's the old, Look, oldest I trick, I would have known and trick in the book. It's the me. person you least suspect is always the person. It was you. That guy was running told, from you in your Chipotle. I butt. almost told the Chipotle story after the fart plane story, but then I was like, I'm setting myself up for something awful here. I thought if I put enough of a buffer between them that we would get away with it here, but that isn't the case. No, and get, then you well, know what I, I learned? This might about, be partly uh, my fault. I, if you genuinely don't remember the friend, I'm sure it was me. Like I, a hand up, two hands up, you know, on the road, two is a minimum for me, you know, dinner the night before, maybe a lunch in there too. Like I, I had two Chipotle bowls in Green Bay and it was to help write and work and just kind of go along. So maybe I am I a ate co-conspirator in the, in the fart, uh, the far crime. <laughs> Say that again. What about Green Bay? I ate at that Chipotle in Green Bay last year, uh, and I was ridiculed for it. They were like, "You came to Green Bay and you're eating Chipotle." Like, I don't think we we're we're in a judgment free zone now. Um, no, I don't then, think those uh, exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're on the internet. They're fine. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I learned about the the cicada murder wasp 
which what? was ab- yeah absolutely terrible i was down in spartanburg uh panthers jets practices and they've got all these massive dragonflies flying around they're like these things look like small um dinosaurs so i'm just uh, sort of casually sitting there and another one what i thought was a dragonfly had just basically landed right by my foot and i kind of just looked down and i'm like oh my goodness that is not a dragonfly that is absolutely a wasp and i thought it was a murder hornet like i thought it was like one of those disgusting looking things and i i i already have like an awful fear of wasps i don't i am not the best version of myself when one flies around me i looked at this thing i I almost fainted i was texting my wife i'm like (laughs) you gotta see so i start googling it and there's no murder hornets in south carolina uh but there are these cicada murder wasps and apparently they're relatively harmless like they don't even want to bite you but this thing was the size of like a Coke can. It was horrific. So they murder cicadas or it's part cicada? Part so. Okay. I'm assuming they murder cicadas. I mean, it's... it's but I, I like cicada I murder hornet wasp? Like what? Where's the... Just Google it. Cicada murder wasp. I mean, I did. And I was just so disgusted by the picture that was hovering around the description that I stopped reading about it. This is a hell of a note to end on, Jeff. I don't know if I can have a palate cleanser from Chipotle butt and fart planes and murder wasps and cicadas are somehow shoehorned in there. But at least you're the best version of yourself on this podcast because I don't know what that would look like with the uh, wasps flying around. Um, this is great. Let, let's let's do this. You mentioned you have a lion story coming up. What else is coming up for you? A ton of work. Like that's a lot of information. Like I, I would envision if I had all that, you know, things you hear, rumors, blah, blah, blah. That's like a notebook you want to dump at some point. Everything I saw and learned, you know, going across the country, the NFL, anything like that coming up. What do, what else is next for you where people can find you? Yeah, I've got some store, you know, some of them are quicker uh, from some of these stops that I'm coming in and out of, but we're going to more some, some more long-term features. I've got one that I think is going to be really cool on Sean McVay, and that'll be probably week one. Uh, one on Frank Smith, the Dolphins offensive coordinator, probably looking at about week one on that one. I did something last year where I, I did uh, an anonymous poll with uh, ex- high-ranking executives and coaches around the league, just kind of getting their thoughts on uh, some upcoming topics. And that's always something that I learn a lot from i shouldn't say always i've done it now twice but there's uh there's some cool stuff you know i i fly in and out of these cities and i tweet that i'm there or whatever and then i'll have a story coming out like four days later but it's just part of the process of trying to get all this stuff done right so i'm gonna have like a month's worth of content coming out even after i get back awesome well i can't wait to read it you're home soon from tennessee wish we could have had beers and done this live as i may or may not have teased on uh, prior episodes, but uh, that's what it is. Jeff Howe, The Athletic, read him, watch him. Do not sit near him on an airplane. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, buddy, man. It wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs>